Well, good morning and uh, welcome. It's It's been so good to be here this morning already. And uh, so many times I forget, so I just want to say welcome, you visitors. It's It's good to have each one of you here. Thanks for coming. As Jonathan was praying, this thought came to my mind. Whatsoever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I have to ask myself, is everything that I do, do I do it all to the glory of God? I guess this is one message that I have been challenged as I have been preparing it. And in some ways, you may think that, uh, Laverne, you're getting a little radical. But maybe we should all read the book Radical. We need to be radical for Jesus. Today we're trying to take a look at the kingdom vision and the outcome is a little different than what I thought when I started with it. When Jesus came to the earth, he brought the kingdom. In a sense, anyway. So how can we have the kingdom vision? There's practically one principle that stands here in what Jesus said, where there's a must. You must be born again. See, when we are born again, Christ comes within us. And he brings the kingdom with him. And then we are also in Christ. We're translated from darkness, kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Because we are in Christ. You see, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. If we can see that, if we realize that, if we totally grasp it, that the kingdom is within me, then if those are the lenses that I'm seeing life through, could it not keep us from sin? If that's the vision I have. And that's why Jesus responded to Nicodemus in this way. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We can't see it.
and he went on and shared a little bit. I'll, I'll go on into that. Um, where, unless we're baptized by water and the Spirit, we cannot enter into. See, in that, in our new birth, we're also baptized by the Spirit. The Spirit is poured out upon us through Jesus. We can't separate the three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They come as one with three different, how would you say, job titles or whatever you want to say it. The, um, the Spirit is the one who leads us, comforts us in, in our time. And could I say the Holy Spirit actually gives us a kingdom perspective as we live. So my challenge maybe would be if we don't have the kingdom vision and or we desire the kingdom vision to surrender and be born again because that's where it starts. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. You see, when I am a new creature, my old selfish ways pass away. And behold, all things have become new. So many times we try to make excuses. I should now have a new vision for my life. Because all for Jesus I have now surrendered. And what I do is for him. And these different points I'm making, in the end, I've concluded, at first I thought there may be different visions that we can have. But ultimately, the kingdom vision will come down to one thing. But we'll have separate and different callings in this vision. So hang with me. There's more exciting news coming. You know, sometimes in all this, in being born again, we try to save or hang on to our culture or our traditions. And I'm not saying that we are to just leave them. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we will actually violate scripture just to hang on to what my culture is and what my tradition is. And you'll find out today why we do that. I mean, it's integrated into us. That's all we know. We've been taught that from small if we've been raised in a Christian home. You see, we must lose our life for the sake of Jesus, our culture and our tradition. We must lay that aside. It doesn't mean we have to leave it. It doesn't mean we have to be different. But that does not come first. When your child, we discussed it this morning, you know, there's a sense of fear in a parent when maybe there's a child 
that might ask, you know, you know, what if my call in life is different than yours? What if I'm called to minister the, to these people rather than to our people? Are we willing? Do we trust that we have given them enough roots to grow, but we've given them wings to fly? God used them. Or will we try to stomp or tramp off that fire that's burning within them because it doesn't match up to my culture or my traditions? When God is really calling them in a different direction, that is not justifying sin. I'm not saying that. But our callings can vary. You know, there was a time before this even, just before this meditating this last month on this, I don't know if I would have been too excited to just freely let my children go to Asia or wherever. It's just, but now I'll encourage them. Go. Go to the uttermost parts. If God is calling you, go. We become so selfish and clinging that we don't even allow the children to become what God is trying for them to become. And youth, I expect you will be more, uh, how would you say, you will do more for the kingdom that I have done. In some things, you've been taught more than what I've been taught. Some of you are practically about the level where I'm at, but you're 20 years behind me. Look at the great things that you can accomplish for the kingdom. I, I believe in you. It's exciting. But we need to grab on to this kingdom vision to make a difference. I hope I got the rabbit on that one. In order to effectively move into the superculture of Christianity, the Bible says I need to die to my culture. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever shall lose his life or culture or tradition or whatever, for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. We don't have to leave it. Here we go again. Okay, when we go to Asia and we minister there, or let's say we go to Central America, the gospel belongs to no culture. The gospel is not just the Mennonites. Why then do we go and we plop cape dresses on them when they're totally out of their culture? That does not make sense to me, really, honestly. I'm not saying it's wrong. When, well, let me finish this. If they desire and they say, you know, I want to be like that, but let's not enforce it. It's a totally different culture. There's going to be tr- numerous tribes, tongues, and nations in heaven. Different cultures. They're not going to look like me and you. It's going to be in their own culture where, they, where they're modest. 
Let's teach them modesty. But let's not just Mennonize them. We're not the only avenue into the superculture. All the cultures have a way through Jesus Christ into the superculture. Now I'm getting off on missions here. But it's just, it's becoming my heart is our missions. But let's do it right. Let's illustrate it. You see, the three dimensions of culture, the integrated system of ideas, feelings, and values, and their associated patterns of behavior and products shared by a group of people who organize and regulate what they think, feel, and do. That's really what a culture is. That's who we are. Our culture is integrated into us. And we think it's the right way. And sometimes we think it's the only way. And while I am sharing this, I am not saying that we should just leave our culture, we should just leave our traditions. I am, please understand me, I am not saying that at all. I believe we are scriptural. I believe we are living biblically. But it's not the only way. Let's go in a little more detail. The first dimension is our ideas, or the cognitive dimensions, is how we think, and it's our knowledge. This is the dimension where shared knowledge within a group takes place. It is where our patterns of logic and wisdom are shaped. The cognitive dimension frames the way we think. Its influence is implicit. It's like colored glasses. Let's say we take a baby that in a stage where they don't remember what they've seen and we put contact lenses on them that are blue and all they can see is blue. I mean, the white would be a light tint of blue. Okay, everything looks that way. Now when that child grows to be 20, you try to convince them that, that white, the ceiling is white. It's integrated into him that all things are blue. That's how we are. That's the lenses. Unknowingly, we have these lenses for life, how we've been raised. And that's what life is. And it's hard to change. But Jesus Christ wants to change us. And see things. Let's put on the kingdom glasses. And see things the way Jesus sees them. Let's remove those blue contact lenses and see the true color. The second dimension is our feelings or the affective dimension. It, it affects our likes, dislikes, and emotions, that's where they're shaped. The affective dimension frames our notions of beauty, 
our attitudes, our taste of clothes, the way we enjoy ourselves, and the way we deal with grief and sorrow. We've heard that this morning. We can have all these marvelous rules in place, but what should really change us is when we have this new vision. When, Jesus, when the gospel, we'll cover that, when the gospel gets to this part where it changes us. We no longer have the desire to keep up with Hollywood. We no longer have the desire for styles and fashions and whatever. Why? Because we are on fire for Jesus Christ. That's who we want to impress. That's who we want to please. That's our life. Does Jesus have control of my affections? Third dimension is the values or the evaluative dimension. This is where moral, morals and actions are shaped. This dimension is the core of the other two dimensions. What we value determines our beliefs, ideas, affections, feelings, likes, dislikes, and what we determine to be beautiful. It's what we value. We, we judge right and wrong based upon our values. And all three levels must be reached by the gospel. You see, we need to know that Jesus is the son of God. That's our knowledge. That's what, we, that's what we're taught as we grow up. And knowledge alone is not enough. Then it goes into the affections and emotions like fear, guilt, sorrow, love, and loyalty as we are reached with the gospel. But you see, the feelings alone is not enough. See, we come to a, the knowledge that I am a sinner. That's their first dimension. And we fear hell, so we accept Jesus as our Savior. But my concern is, to some it stops there. It's the feeling thing. And it hasn't changed our values. Is Jesus everything in my life? Do I live as if he is? You see, if Jesus has not changed our values, I question the new birth. Because it'll happen. then we won't have the kingdom vision. We'll still have our own selfish vision. Both knowledge and feelings must bring us to the value, to value the truth of the gospel and lead us to total repentance. We also allow Jesus to reach our values. That's where the change takes place. As the gospel reaches every dimension of our being, the change that takes place is so significant that Jesus likened it to being born again. Isn't that nice? Isn't that a nice picture? 
You see, a lot of, a lot of times in the scripture, there's actually, there's kind of pictures that you can see. And this, this just kind of revealed it to me. I mean, it's, it made sense to me. It was the missing piece of the puzzle. As we grow in Christ, in all three dimensions, our minds will be renewed, we will set our affections on things above, and our lives will bring forth fruit unto righteousness and godliness. So let's do a little test here. And see where we are as a church and compare us with the world and the kingdom of God. In the church, is there backbiting? Has backbiting happened already in the church? I think it has. Does it happen in the world? Yes. How about prejudice? Do we have our preconceived ideas at times? It's in the world. How about gossip? Is that in the church? It's in the world. How about covetousness? Have we been guilty? It's in the world. How about contentions? Have there been contentions in the church? How about selfishness? Have we had selfish motives? List goes on. Jealousy. Dishonesty. Pride. Immorality. Are we conformed to the kingdom of God or are we conformed to the kingdom of the world? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are we in the will of God? What is his will for us? So what does the kingdom of God look like? I'm going to have a, just go with a big list. I'm not going to go to save time. I just lumped them all together. It's righteousness, godliness, holiness, mercy, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A lot of those are the fruit of the Spirit, the attributes of that. And I'm not going to, for the sake of time, I'm just going to leave. But Colossians 3, to put on the new man and like the kindness and tender balls of mercy and on down the line. It's humbling to see the list. We have been guilty, sometimes still are, but this is the kingdom vision. This is what it should be. We've done good. Our culture has done good, nonconformity, but we've 
kind of focus on the outside. Let's start focusing inside because that is what God sees. Man looks on the outside, but God sees the heart. It is time for a revival. It is time for repentance. We can't go on like this. We can't. That is being conformed to the world. It's sad. And I'm not saying that I'm innocent to it all. I'm right with you. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself and you listen in. Self must be dethroned and stay dethroned. It's our choice. And that's not, let's not blame it on self rising up his ugly head again. It's you allowed it to. Let's take responsibility for our actions. Even though it tries. It, it does. I don't, it's not saying I don't agree with that. I do, totally. But we must stay on top of it. Now, concerning the vision, here comes the exciting part. Also humbling. Why did Jesus come to this earth for? Did he come to see how great he could be how much he could accumulate and whatever, or how high he could climb on the executive ladder, how many businesses he could own? Or did he come for me and you to save souls, to save this lost world? He came to serve. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And before Jesus left, he said, greater things than these you will do. Where are we? Are we doing them? It's humbling to me. I'm guilty. I've, I've had the wrong perspective for most of my life. I've had the wrong perspective in life. Am I doing greater things? Jesus was God. But yet he says, because he is sending the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is with us. We are called to do greater things. There's many of us. There was one of him. Do we have a heart for the lost? Are we doing anything about it? You see, we may not be called to sacrifice like Levon's and just go over there. And in three years, they'll come back and they have gained nothing when it comes to financially. We may not have been called to that, but what we are called as a body, we are called to sacrifice, sacrificially give and support them. They are part of the body. Just like when I, when I am exercising, what happens? My heart picks up the rate, so there's more blood going, so there's more oxygen. Okay. There's someone over there exercising. 
Has our heart rate sped up? Are we giving sacrificially? Are we supporting part of the body? If we leave them hanging there, the body is aching. The whole body should hurt. And maybe there's more going to be going out. Are we willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to even change my lifestyle? Because they have. Their lifestyle is totally, they've got cultural shock that they've got to work through. But so many times I sit on my fanny doing nothing. Or do we think it's enough to give the pocket change? Wherever we are, whatever we do, we are on the mission field if we are born again Christian. I don't care if you're in the grocery store, if you're at home, the children are a mission field. The grocery clerk is a mission field. The stock boy is a mission field. My coworker is a mission field. We've got to see that vision. We're not there just to make money. We are there for Jesus. Every day. Our Christianity is not to sit on a pew and think we're good. We're going to miss it. Because look at the difference when Jesus was saying about those who have, um, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me the drink. When did we see you that way? Well, what we have done to each other, that's what we have done to him. And then the others, he said, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. So when we see this beggar out there, we're prejudiced and we say, well, he's not going to use the money right anyway. So we drive on by. What if that's an angel unawares and we have failed? I was hungry and you didn't feed me. Who am I to judge what he's going to do with it? It's our opportunity to minister. Is that our vision? Or are we selfish? Man, I don't want to give him that 20 because, man, he'll just go drink it. Minister to that person and pray for him that God would convict him to use it properly. An opportunity, golden opportunity to minister. Jesus Christ, if we drive on by, we've lost it forever. We've missed it. I'm guilty. But the Lord has been speaking to my heart. Many times I've driven on by. What if it was an angel unaware? See, the only difference between those two people is what they did and what they didn't do. We must rise up to the kingdom vision and enter, in, and enter into his work every day. Why do I say that? Approximately 75 people die each minute 
going into hell. Whenever you see this thing blinking, there's another person going in hell. Is it high time to rise up to the call and storm the gates of hell? My heart burns. Those are souls like me and you. A a Christless eternity forever. I don't have the glory bumps. I have the scary bumps. God is speaking to me. What am I doing? I can turn this thing off, but the reality remains. It may be getting worse. Because see, I didn't put the uh, chart on there. But see, there's a chart that shows that there's almost twice as many people being born that die. And if we don't, if the church doesn't rise up to the call, there's more, this number is going to raise. Because these are being raised by those who don't believe. Many of them. Majority of the growth is in Asia. Are we seeing the kingdom vision now? This is what Jesus said. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And how are we doing that? We've been doing some street ministry. We've been doing some handing out tracts. I honestly believe we can do better. Will the fruit remain? Should we not sit down, understand their culture, understand there's so much to learn there? I mean, I actually wanted Collier to come and teach us 10 evenings of Wednesday evenings. And he said, you do it, brother. You heard it. And, uh, but it's just we need to hear this. We need to know, we need to go and be the learner before we teach. When we're standing on the streets, we're the teacher. We're just giving this and popping it out there. And it may make some difference because God's word is alive. I'm not negating that. But we can do better is what I'm saying. Because he wants our fruit to remain. He wants us to take time, invest in these people, understand who they are, what their culture is, and then bring in the gospel at their level, how they understand culture, how their culture would understand it. Because if you present it in the wrong way, they'll take it wrong and they're offended. But I will continue to try and convince Collier to come. I think we need to hear this. He's experienced a lot of things. I had a very good week that week. So I want to close with William Booth's thought. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to his pitiful wail for help. 
Go stand by the gates of hell, and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstance in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Can we surrender our whole life right now to Jesus and hear his call? See life the way he does and have that kingdom vision. Our call will vary. Like, I'm going to be honest. It doesn't make my heart beat. And I want to say this charitably, but let's say faith mission, that's not my heart. But it's not wrong if it's your heart and you really want to minister there. But man, what gets my blood pumping is these orphans. I see someday being in an orphanage. When, how, I don't know. But that's what moves me, me with compassion. See, everybody, God wants to use us. He's strategic. He wants to place us right where we are the best. Where we will minister the best. Let's not follow each other. Let's follow Jesus. And enter his work. That's the vision we need to have. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I cry out to you. Forgive me where I failed. Many times I have let you down. Father, we want your vision right on our hearts, Lord, where you want us, what you want us to do. Give us the courage, Father, by your spirit to go forth. And take that step of faith. To do your work. That we enter into your work. However it may look to each individual. Father, bless each one. May all of us. Trust in your grace that is sufficient. And know in our heart that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Or we think it's impossible. With God, it's possible. Help us, Father. We cry out to you. Lord, I am so grateful you have placed me into this congregation. You are the one building the church. This is your church. 
But I am so grateful that you would place me in these group of warriors that I'm with who understand this. And we have been doing good. But I sense you're calling us to do better. So Father, by your grace, it's only by your grace. that you will enable us to go forth and bring forth fruit and that our fruit remains. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.